Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar, with my co-hosts, Anissa, Kristen, and Mariah. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 13 of Not Just a Hashtag. Today I'm here with all of my ladies. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Good. Yeah. Uh, So um, this week what we're going to do first is do a current event and then we're going to get into the second part of our three-part series. So Anissa, she has a current event for us. So this just came up on like my social media news feed, which... Honestly, I feel like I'm embarrassed talking about how I get a lot of news from social media, but that's just the truth and I'm not going to be ashamed. So um, it came out uh, this famous, I guess, actress and kind of singer. I don't know. She's definitely just in the media and spotlight a lot. Her name is Bella Thorne and a lot of girls look up to her and she came forward and has been talking about sexual abuse that she experienced as a child and um, it's just so crazy because as much as we think we know about celebrities lives through tabloids we don't ever hear about as many celebrities as there are I feel like I've never heard about a celebrity talking about their sexual abuse experiences and so this is um, from an interview that she did she said as for the real Bella Thorne, she's the girl in that book. She's just like, you know, sitting right there because she just published a book recently. Um, she said that the abuse started when she was just six years old and was unrelenting until adolescence. Speaking about it now, she said she believes that she suffered from Stockholm Syndrome, which is when you develop um, a very like, like you're, you think you're in love with your abuser. I don't know, Kristen. Yeah, like you side with them. Okay, like yeah. you're, you sympathize with your abuser mm-hmm. and like you just are like dependent on them emotionally she lost a bit. Yeah. yeah so she talked about having stockholm syndrome with her abuser and she said i mean when you're raised with someone and you don't know that it's wrong it's just very like an everyday occurrence like no big deal thorn said she still holds some anger about it all but it's directed towards society in general i think that you have anger towards society in general in our society clearly this is something that is literally happening at everyone's doorstep she said that and still nothing is ever done about it which not true because here we are. She said, we don't look at it as a main problem, but it is because it's shaping our society. She added, it is shaping our girls to be different girls than what they were supposed to be. So I love that she said that. I love that we have someone who really is in um, the spotlight and, you know, is really being kept a very, like everything she does, I feel like is constantly in my pop culture news realm. And so to have her talk about how it's at our doorstep, it's happening so frequently and it's, shaping these girls in a different way than what they were going to be like you know and we want to help shape people back and that's our ultimate goal and our ultimate mission but our little current event was just you know this celebrity coming forward and good for her talking about her sexual abuse and how Mm -hmm. common it is and how frequent and you know we say here at trees of hope all the time like we want to 
normalize it not minimize it huge difference and so it's like we have this celebrity talking about it in a way that's like it's happening and we need to recognize it and we need to do something about it but why do you guys think that she says in that thing there um that thing that you just read the article Mm -hmm. that um it's at everyone's doorstep right like she's acknowledging that we're acknowledging that like that's why we're making such a big deal about this why do you think it's so hard for society to believe that because like when we go to prevention workshops people are like sort of numb to it Mm -hmm. and they're like well that it's just happens in certain people groups or that doesn't typically happen in this group or so why do you think that people are so naive to this i read an article that um it's a i'm like blanking on the term but it's a phenomenon maybe kristen knows that when um your brain cannot fully comprehend things Mm -hmm. on mass scales when it comes to um like tragedies so when you hear if i were to tell you there is one pregnant woman who um just got i don't know shot in the leg and struggle you're gonna do everything to help that one person but if i said there's fifty thousand people all it's like oh that's just that problem's too big i'm not gonna touch it because it's so big and it's so overwhelming it's almost like your brain you're like your empathy the bigger the numbers the lower your empathy gets which is so crazy because i know that for me too if i hear oh this is happening to forty thousand people i'm like there's just nothing I can do. I'm one little person. How am I going to fight against that? So I think that that can be the mentality when it comes to sexual abuse is it's like, well, I can like, you know, look out for myself and the people closest to me, but it's such a big problem. Like, well, I mean, what, what are we going to do? I think that there might be some sort of like similarity in thinking when it comes to such a big problem. It's like, well, it's just going to happen. I think we can resign ourselves to, to like, well, the statistics are there and that's just what it is. And it's like, no, we need to fight. Right. Like we need to fight back. Right. Yeah, I think part also is a lot of people are victims themselves and they it, it faces it makes them face their own. I also think there's a misconception of what sexual abuse is, like the idea that people think it's rape with two or more people at gunpoint um, and the unwillingness to accept that a lot of the times if it's at your doorstep, it's people that you're supposed to trust and love. Um, and it's hard for us to put that somewhere and, and process in that way and to remove that person that you trust from being your family member and then placing them in perpetrator. So you have to separate that whole idea of them and that's hard to do. So I think, um, a lot of there's just misconceptions and that it only happens to women and um, you know there's just so much shame and silence that people don't realize how big it is because people have a hard time even talking about it um, Mm -hmm. themselves so yeah I agree and then I think also um, on top of that it's like although the Me Too movements and all these things these are new things that just started right so it's like nobody was talking about this before and and that silence that shame is something that has kept it fueled going for so long um okay sorry i'm so annoying it was really bothering me so it's called psychic numbing and um it's when it's almost like the limit of human compassion like why do we ignore mass atrocities it has to do with something called psychic numbing so it's where it's almost like also to a defense mechanism where it's just like something is too much exactly it's -hmm. overwhelming so your brain is like nope like not gonna go there not gonna do that 
Yeah, for survivors as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what you do. So, and, you know, some people are in denial still. And it's just part of how you survive. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, like, like you were talking about, there's, like, only people groups. Like, if you see, oh, that family is a great family. They're, you know, successful. And they're, they're a lot of influence that would never happen with them. And so then you don't look into the signs because you're like, oh, that would never happen with that family. That only happens low income and, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple family members in one house. It happens to everybody of every race, every um, societal like position. Mm -hmm. This article says like sums it up like we're compelled to help individuals, but the world's problems are too large to be solved one person at a time. But it's so funny because wouldn't you think that your empathy of a situation like would go up up with the the more people? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hello to me. No, but it makes sense because you think about like, um, gosh, I don't even really want to talk about it. But like when pictures of specific individuals surface from like the border or um, five years ago, there was a picture of a little three-year-old Syrian refugee boy whose body was washed ashore and the world was horrified because it was a picture of a singular person a child a lifeless body like on the shore and it was like no we have to do something and it was like why was everyone so compelled by that picture that had one individual when there's tons of pictures of the masses in refugee camps and tents like milling about and we don't feel that same level it's such a weird weird thing to even see like a global response to pictures of individuals well I think it's like hearing an individual story too it makes it real you're able to connect with it you know it's like you can um judge someone from a distance but once you get to know their story it's like oh okay that's a real person I can I can relate with that yeah I agree with that a lot actually like there's been several people in my life that off the rip I didn't really like them and I was like I will never connect with this person and the minute I heard their story I was instantly connected with them and then all of a sudden like this tender really really sweet side of me came out and I'm like now I want to be your best friend how do I work on that (laughs) but I've been like putting them off the whole time Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, well, that's good. I mean, I just wanted to mention that because I feel like, you know, we, this is something we do all the time. And so it's hard for us to stir movement, right? Like, but we're doing it by coming to this podcast week in, week out and doing this. And yeah, the problem is so huge, but I'd rather play some role than not play any role. That's just at least how I'm going to sleep at night feeling <laughs> like I'm doing something. And also you can play a role and some of the ways that you can play a role is talking to your friends about the grooming process, prevention tactics, what things to look out for, like Mariah has talked about, symptoms, things, the red flags that people may have or, but you need to know those things. So how do you know those things? You have to get educated on them. And that's a great thing that we do at Trees of Hope is we offer um, prevention resources and educational tools so that you can be in the know about these things. But then on the flip side, if you've been sexually abused, one way is to deal with your sexual abuse, handle it, go through the healing journey, deal with it so that you can be whole healthy and help other people. Right? So we didn't just wake up one morning and go, I want to start a podcast on (laughs) sexual abuse. (laughs) We wanted to do this because we've gone through all of this stuff that we had to do we didn't minimize it we've gone through the hard work and so now we've allowed God to spur in us 
some movement that we say now I have to do something to help others who are not set free and that's really you know why we're here and that's why we're doing this so so this is the second part of a three-part series that are all connected and have to do with the same thing issues that you must confront and deal with in your healing journey if you didn't listen to the last one that is a great first start and we really recommend that this will all make sense if you go listen to that one that we posted last week So we talked about last time, which was the issue of responsibility. So who was responsible for your abuse? Who also, uh, like a co-perpetrator, was responsible for your abuse? This week, we are going to be talking about betrayal. Who betrayed you? And some of the feelings of betrayal that you may feel maybe towards um, people around you, people in your family, maybe your, well, we hope your abuser, and also God. Um, That's a huge issue as well. And next week, we are going to uh, look at the role of denial and how it's a roadblock to your healing. So what does betrayal mean? Um, To betray someone means to lead astray or to seduce with false promises or to desert in a time of need. So when you are a victim of sexual abuse, you experience being led astray, seduced, misled into a situation and definitely desertion in a time of need. Some examples that we have are um, a child in need of a healthy relationship with a parent experiencing abandonment in the world of incest or a young adult in need of a spiritual leader experiencing betrayal by a minister when the relationship becomes sexual. So here, um, Kristen, if someone comes into your office and you they're just overwhelmed with a sense of betrayal by others, what would be something you would encourage them with? Um, probably I think the first thing would be to normalize that feeling, you know, like acknowledge that it would be so natural for them to feel that way because the reality is they were betrayed by other people, you know, and, um, although you can't stay there, but so helping someone through that process, I think is important, but first we just have to acknowledge that would be normal. It's okay to feel that way because that, that is what happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think even for me, like when I was realizing how deep the betrayal goes, um, it made sense to me why I would shut down in other scenarios of betrayal that has nothing to do with my sexual abuse. So that wound just is so deep that anytime I felt betrayed by someone I love, by a friend, another family member, I would find myself shutting down or withdrawing and withholding love from them and even like silently punishing them in ways I didn't even realize because they became my enemy and it could be small or big, but because that betrayal is such a deep wound um, that I wasn't even acknowledging um, that, you know, once I started addressing and confronting the, the deep feelings of betrayal, Um, I was able to kind of see, okay, I'm seeing a pattern when I feel betrayed, how I just shut down and I just withdraw for them altogether. Um, And it's important to see that that's maybe happening to you and also be encouraged that if you do work through that deep sense of betrayal through anyone that you need to face that with, um, that that sting comes a little less And not only that, you can acknowledge if you're doing that old behavior, shutting down and being triggered and um, understanding and being self-aware. So you can make a different choice and it'll help you relate better with people eventually. And little side note, if you want to hear more about betrayal, um, little tidbits, we definitely talked about it um, as a symptom of 
sexual abuse in episode five so we're going to get more into like what that actually looks like but we definitely mention that as a symptom of sexual abuse looking for betrayal and all of your relationships which is honestly something I still struggle with yeah friendships I'm like you wanted to hurt me in that way and my friend is like what so it's definitely like a, a crazy thing like it's like revolutionary when you realize like wow I literally look for ways that people might be trying to betray me when that's not reality and I think like well as you were talking Mariah you reminded me of like my home like living in my house it was anytime something bad happened or I did something wrong my dad would silent treatment treatment me so that became my norm so when now I'm married you know and I, I start doing that in anger like when I whenever I'm get feeling hurt or rejected or whatever it is betrayed really and you know we all think that we don't have that because like you can be a really strong person and be like well I never feel betrayed because to acknowledge that you feel betrayed can make you feel weak or small or vulnerable and so I say I'm with you if you feel that way. Um, I, I understand. But the only way to get healthy in this area is to acknowledge that betrayal is a part, that's some, something that you feel, that you feel betrayed oftentimes. Now, we're not talking about going around and saying, I feel betrayed all the time. Like, be honest with yourself. So as you were talking, I want to admit, I feel betrayed sometimes. Um, I feel betrayed when kind of like what Anissa said like I think the worst of my friends before I think the best of them but it really helps and it's something that's helped me is by going yeah but let me think but but what's the best scenario I can think here and then I kind of just change that pattern of thought and that instantly sets me in like yeah they wouldn't do that they would never do that and then I've allowed myself to go to the negative that will be the worst case scenario but then I go to the positive to be the best case scenario and for the most part it's always the positive right because like our friends don't want to hurt us or intentionally wound us but it just happens so yeah. I don't know this whole thing with betrayal is such a heavy to topic because it yes if when you were sexually abused betrayal is huge it's huge and it sets you up but if you're like me and you're like well I was betrayed like they, that person sexually abused me and I never thought of the words betrayal in that situation you may not have thought that but if you now in hindsight look back and go, they took something from me. Exactly. They led me astray. Mm -hmm. So now you can confidently say, I felt betrayed by them. Just because you didn't feel betrayed at the time doesn't mean that you weren't. Right. Like, it's just like the only example I can think of is sometimes like crazy, you'll break a limb. And at the time you didn't think it was broken, but you go, you get an x-ray and it's like, okay, just because I didn't think this was broken doesn't mean that it wasn't broken like it's insane the things that start to come out when you look back on your sexual abuse and it's like oh my gosh I didn't feel like I was abandoned I didn't feel like I was rejected but just because you didn't feel it in the moment of your abuse when your mind was literally shutting down to protect itself doesn't mean that those things didn't happen right yeah, I think what has also helped me see, like, even in the definition that you were deserted in your time of need, that your needs will, were not even considered. And your need to have a healthy relationship or a bond with a family member or a spiritual leader was taken for granted or taken advantage of. And, and just realizing that when you finally come through each layer of the pain, you're like, oh my gosh, like, 
I was abandoned to the world of incest or to the the sexual desires of somebody else without any considerate consideration of me um and I think when you just put the fullness of that and how it affects you it'll help you see like wow I am betrayed I have been betrayed and I have been abandoned um and so when you do like Kristen said when you finally are just honest with yourself and be willing to go there as scary as it is the purpose is to move forward not stay there and you do have a choice like do you and and some people do and, and this may be something you experience and I kind of got there when I finally felt angry and, and I realized I stood there for so long and I was angry at everything you know and I felt betrayed by everybody um, but that's just kind of the process I needed but the purpose is to move forward so that you're not like constantly what do you you know barking at people or like you said feeling like they don't have your best interests in mind and like I said before my counselor I love what she says which is like learn to doubt your doubts and when you start doubting your friend you can say "Mm, I doubt that they meant to harm me because for 10 years they've proven themselves faithful to me and have always lifted me up so this must be something that was unintentional Mm -hmm. and it just helps thinking thinking of it that way but it may be hard to see it that way in the beginning. Yeah. So. And it also helps to surround yourself with people who will encourage you to not think those thoughts. Like Mariah and Anissa have definitely been those people for me. Um, Mariah, more, more recently, I mean, she's had to literally, because she knows me so well, she'll be like, Nicole, um, look at it this way. You didn't feel heard or respected. And maybe that's why you're feeling this way. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, you're right. And it's not that I felt betrayed, although in the moment I felt betrayed, it's that I was feeling these other thoughts too, and they were compounding on me. So I was like lashing out, you know? And so it's always good to have good friends around you, encouragement, and try to rethink your, th- your thoughts and, and doubt your doubts. So victims must also deal with the issue of God's responsibility. Almost everyone who has been abused asks at some point, what about God? I cried out to him again and again asking, where were you when this was happening to me? Or why did you let this happen to me? Um, I don't feel that you're here for me now. I mean, I've I've gone through that at some points in my life. And, and it's definitely a question that you're allowed to ask. You know, you've been sexually abused and and it's totally understandable that you would be even asking those questions. Um, Many victims describe a feeling of profound despair, even wondering why God allowed them to be born and thinking they would have been better off dead. Anissa, you had some great examples of this in your life. Yeah, I definitely, when I was thinking about this, um, you know, I did oftentimes, especially in high school, oh my gosh, my um, junior and senior year, like I thought all the time, like, why was I born? Like, I was just born to be taken advantage of and I just was so resentful with God and I never um, like wanted to die. I just questioned what my purpose ever could have been because of the things I had experienced and I did wonder like how can this be salvaged? Like my life is ruined. Like I'm just, you know, my reputation, the reputation I had, I was like, I just feel like there was no reason for me to be born apart from 
just like we were talking about it before this Nicole like put it perfectly like I did feel like I just in this little used up rag doll that's been thrown around by guys and like no one cares so I definitely had um, a lot of feelings of not wanting to have been born and um too like that really fed into my um self-pity and my depression I struggle with self-pity a lot and so those thoughts are ultimately tied to like a lot and like they're valid feelings but they're tied to self-pity and it's just like woe is me like my life like this is awful like why was I born so I really struggled with that for a long time like very very badly what's the difference between a victim mentality and self-pity they're the same I think yeah they are like having I think when you have a victim mentality though you're looking for people to offend you like when you have a victim mentality it's like I'm always getting the short end of the stick like every situation you're in you're like it's just my life here it goes again like people not respecting me or whatever and it's like okay you love being offended you love like portraying things to be like you got the raw end of a deal even though that's not the case and self-pity would say what same thing I think like Mm -hmm. self-pity is just like like poor me yeah like poor little me like can never catch a break same thing (laughs) same thing yeah yeah okay yeah and I was gonna say it's very common for people who have been victimized Mm -hmm. to obviously see themselves as a victim but it actually takes a conscious and proactive um, action to get out of the victim mentality it's just something we have to be aware of victims don't know they're a victim they don't victim mentality they don't know that they're they're living in that until you're shown that and then if you're if you see yourself as like victor instead of the victim then you can actually move out of that but unless you're willing to see that you'll always be a victim even if someone's telling you that's not who you are then well you know and I was gonna say on the side of that like I felt exactly the same as Anissa I really really um relate to that and I remember also like in my room thinking about even how women are treated and I had this view of like even even just how women have been treated even in the bible and like back in those days and I'm like why did you even create us if we were gonna be like below men's feet you know and that's just kind of how I had it in my mind and um and just be used up like you said just be used for whoever whatever they wanted they could take from me and what's the point then for me to live and I couldn't see past that I couldn't see that I would even live very long and um I was like I'm probably not gonna live very long and I actually remember like um, a lot of that even being self-hatred in the sense of like um, seeing myself as worthless and um, being angry but also angry at myself and I remember in middle school I was so depressed and um, so so depressed and I did think of suicide I literally was trying to see how long I could hold my breath without like chickening out like I just remember on my floor just holding my breath for as long as possible and like coming out of it and like breathing but doing it right back again and see if like could I do it could I suffocate myself kind of thing um and you know like never really telling anybody about that because you're afraid you know of someone saying something or um anyway so I've just learned to know that um depression will come and that if I'm naive to the fact that I'll never think about killing myself, then um, it's just not reality for me because um, it's just a deep, hurted, t- deep hurt pain. Um, and if we 
can not rationalize but normalize it with one another and talk about it and just say you know let's just get each other through the night you know that's it you know and not being such a stigma um and like getting freaked out and be like oh do we need to call somebody but just being there with people in that and being okay with not feeling like it's yours to carry so yeah I definitely have experienced that for sure yeah um thank you for sharing that it's like it's hard as a friend it's like hard to hear that you guys ever thought these things because it's like you guys are so amazing um so I'm glad you never did anything with that (laughs) and I'm glad that you're here sitting before me and now walking out a calling that you have on your lives um and so it's like ugh. Okay, so the next thing we want you to consider is that there is some biblical teachings. Um, some, te- some people have it hard to believe that God has actually written about sexual abuse in the Bible, and he has. God considers sexual abuse so serious that in the Old Testament, the penalty for sexual abuse was death. So Leviticus 18 clearly sets forth the rules God intended for humankind's behavior. Sex with a child, with a blood relative, and rape are all carried out in a death sentence. God had granted the freedom of choice to people when he created people. He created all of us with the freedom to do as we want with our lives. And some will choose to do right and some will choose wrong. In Psalms 115.16, the Bible says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because that means that we have freedom of choice and a lot of people think that we don't because they think God is super controlling and he's truly not. He has literally given us free will to do with our life as we please. Now, when you become a Christian, you may want to follow a set of rules to honor God with your life and that is the way, the right way to do it, but that's not confining. Mm-hmm. That's very free. That's freedom giving um, to follow those rules because those rules protect you and they... Um, yeah. They, they guide you, <laughs> and they also keep you in re- right relationship, not only with him, but with others. Yeah, and I see it more like boundaries instead of rules. Like right. Just like you would give kids a boundary for their protection, and they don't realize that that's what it's for. Right. So, and I think with, with coming into like how God sees, um, sexual abuse, like I, I, there was a point in my healing where I realized like at one point, like when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, he was, he was hung up there naked in front of everybody, which is like so, um, shaming and so, um, exposed in, in his nakedness in front of everybody. And he was mocked while he did it. Like, if you can imagine that feeling like he can relate with that and to me that was like a big comfort to like oh he how does he know he's blah 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 but he knows what it's like to be hung on the cross completely (coughs) naked I guess I never thought about that Mm -hmm. like the level of exposure and vulnerability and even like that being taken advantage of and yeah that's I never thought of that which makes the next couple of things I'm going to talk about all the more beautiful. And that is that God has a master plan for us here on earth. And it is that we come with freely loving him or rejecting him. He didn't create us like robots to love him the way he wanted to be loved. He gave us free will. I'm walking in my truth. (laughs) That's just my truth. (laughs) Everyone says that now. I'm like, well, that's not true for me. (laughs) Oh, here's (laughs) 
I was like, why did you get all naked? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> something. Like, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, I'm like, what's actually happening? So in God's master plan, he wants a true relationship with us. And this can only come about if we have the free will to love him or reject him. If God forced us as, if God, sorry. If God forced us always to do right or to be loving, there would be no true love relationship. We would be robots, right? And Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be true um, lovers. We wouldn't be able to feel love or reject love or any of those things that are so important for relationships, not only with God, but here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. God did not cause your abuse or anyone else's. He refuses to treat us the way that those who commit sexual abuse treat their victims by selfishly imposing their will. God does not force... people to do what he wants them to do i mean gosh so good you need to know that if Mm -hmm. you are questioning god's love for you if you are somebody who says where were you first know that truth about god first and foremost that he will never force himself on you he will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do even have a relationship with him that's like the most important thing and then you know a lot of christians are the ones who screw that up for that for that love relationship that God wants to have with you by making you feel that you have to follow a certain set of rules in order for you to be accepted by him. And that's just not true. Yeah. And I think there's even phrases that people say, like, God will protect you. Just pray. God will protect you. And I remember when I, when it like kind of broke my shell of like, oh, God will protect me because I love him. When I realized that he doesn't always protect us from other people's choices. And then um, breaking that, though, gives you a better reality of what's actually true. And I remember getting so mad when people would pray that in a prayer is, Lord, just protect them. Yes, I will still pray God to, you know, I'll still pray what he has, you know, just because I'm like, scratch that. <laughs> I know what you're saying. So, yeah, but in, in the sense of just protection, sometimes I think that um, you just realize that the world is unsafe. And when you realize that for me, I was like, oh my gosh, God's not going to, now that I feel betrayed by God, I felt like, okay, where were you? You're this powerful God. You could literally smite this person at this moment. And I think that's why we get so disappointed because if we truly love him, then he's the one that we're most hurt by and, um, and disappointed by, you know, and just through the years of dealing with that and really facing it honestly and genuinely, I realized that he was grieving when it happened and it's not like he didn't have the power to it's not like oh sorry my hands are tied but he set that in place so that um, we can choose him and choose to love him and choose right because we want to honor him and because we want to reflect who he is which is you know kind and loving and compassionate but also this powerful judge that says if you, if you make this child stumble, it's better for you to have a millstone over your neck and throw it in the deepest ocean. And just to know that that's his heart, to join in with your fury too, you're like, okay. And he, you know, he says things like the, the evil dig their own grave. And um, in just taking just some solace in that. Um, and that's what I was just going to say about um, that. <laughs> 
(laughs) everything Mariah was saying made me think about when I was in counseling and I said to my counselor I was like well how come God intervenes sometimes and sometimes he doesn't like why does he view some situations worthy of his intervention and others not like why didn't he value me enough like I've heard other stories of women who were almost raped but they weren't because some freak thing happened. Someone, you know, happened to be driving by and like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, why didn't God have someone walk into the living room and say like, what the hell are you doing? Get off of her. She's unconscious. You know, I just wondered like, why wasn't my situation valuable to God? And my counselor said, she was like, you know, at the end of the day, we can ask all these questions, but if we understood God and the way that he worked, he wouldn't be God. He would be one of us. And so I think like, obviously that's not an answer that's going to satisfy you. And there's still so much emotion in it, but a lot of sexual abuse is just never comprehensible. Like ever, no matter how many questions you ask and answers you get, you are still violated. And it's like just an incomprehensible thing. So I think just like everything Mariah was talking about when it comes to like God could have smote past tense smite the person like in their spot like he could have and so it's so hard to feel like I know you can do anything and you just didn't but that is a part of us having our free will and him not imposing anything on anyone like he didn't stop any he never stops anyone from doing anything and that is so loving of him yeah I think too for me just to let you into like kind of my journey and I know it's not everybody but I think when I realized kind of what he's done to rebuild me in the process like to me that was you know in a way my justice and like his kindness and him proving himself to me in a sense of like you know this you may be feeling like just broken and cracked but I can help you flourish in a way that only I can and redeem basically what someone else chose to do over you. And I think that is a future hope that doesn't seem possible in the beginning. But I think I've always thought to myself, okay, well, you know, this is where at least found peace is, you know, the world might harm my body and things may happen to me on the outside, but I am safe and completely secure now, knowing that he has my heart and my soul. No matter what happens, he makes it right within me. And one day we'll make it right in general. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're saying, gosh, I'm, I don't know if I can ever forgive God or understand him, and you just need to know you're not alone because mm-hmm. I, I struggle with these things myself, even currently to this day. Even the minute you started talking, I, I was like instantly thinking, I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. like that about God at all. I don't like that he intervenes sometimes and doesn't intervene others. Um, and it makes me think about my family. It makes me think about my friends and, and potentially losing them. And when I pray, what what is the good of prayer? Like, what good is that if, if he's not going to intervene? And so the only things I know to do is to keep walking the walk. And sometimes along the way, you will begin to have faith in certain areas that you didn't have before. And sometimes you'll still struggle. And you need to know that you're not alone on that and that it's okay if you are that person. 
So just because you go to church, just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you gave your life to Christ, just because you serve in ministries, just because you work at a ministry, whatever it may be, doesn't mean you have to have it all together and have to believe every single thing about these concepts that are hard and people have gone over wars over these things, right? Like they just, it's so hard. So just know that take your, take whatever you're feeling in this moment. And I'm going to have to do this tonight too, because all of a sudden I'm being like flooded with disbelief in God. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I mean, I am. Yeah. You know, I ran into, well, I feel like I'm not phrasing this correctly. I was, um, at a certain place. I was a part of a, a discipleship program and, um, I, there was a person who came, he was like a special guest speaker. I had so much respect for him. And, um, he was like, tell me how you're doing here. And I was like, to be honest, I just like, am questioning so much about God. And sometimes I'm sitting here in the classroom and I'm like, is this all real? And I'm like, and I feel guilty saying that. And he was like the strongest Christians question where they're really at their beliefs about God, not doubt God and who he is, but like struggle. Struggling is so important because without like the struggle of like identifying and like really coming to terms like, no, this is authentically where I'm at. You're never going to like develop if you don't come to terms with where you truly stand on something to then, yeah, be able to like change and grow and Mm -hmm. like move past it. So I think like, I love Nicole sharing that because Mm -hmm. like that is so vital in your own like right now everything we're telling you like be authentic be like that was Nicole just being like so authentic and I've had to do that a billion times like it is hard Mm -hmm. even when I said it it made me think about the times that I was bawling my eyes out on a therapist's couch saying like why didn't God view me as worthy of saving you know yeah I think that's what keeps people and maybe myself even from like going head on to those questions and those disappointments and those questions is because we feel guilty like we feel like we're not supposed to be doing that and we should have it all together and I've just been in so many different times of exactly what Nicole just said and times where I'm like I can truly say like oh yeah Um, and it's easy to feel guilty about being upset or angry with God or maybe um, not even wanting to believe that even exi- that he exists because something so awful happened to you. Um, and we're just wanting you to consider everything that we've said. And honestly, just be honest with yourself. And um, you may not even know that you're not being honest with yourself. And if we can, if we can just be pre- present and give people space to say what Nicole said, to say what I said, to say what Anissa said, to wherever they're at in their process, then we're actually walking around more honestly and we can have a more genuine ground, grounded faith in who he is. Because if we don't, then it's just going to be, it's nothing but surface things that's making us feel better about life or feel better about ourselves. And that's just not going to last. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's reminding me of a story I heard. Um, I recently shared it with Anissa that um, when people who are dying of hypothermia, they go there that are wearing like all of these like, you know, they're dying in the cold of hypothermia. I had to I had to look up hypothermia. I was like, is that severe heat? Um, so when they're dying of that, they end up uh, ripping off all their clothes right before they die because their body tells them that they feel hot. So they are like needing the cool air to touch their skin. 
And the same applies to us as Christians. Just because we think it, just because we feel it, doesn't mean it's true, right? And so sometimes we have to deny those thoughts. And for me, like I'm telling you, I'm feeling like a sense of disbelief in God and certain his characters right now. That's what feels good right now for me to believe that. But that's not what's true. So like I was saying, I want to go home tonight and really talk about this with my husband and say, you know, there are some things that were brought up on the podcast that has me thinking and like wondering why. He's a safe place. We're going to hash it out and talk through it. And the only things I can do is bring those things to the Lord and say, I don't believe you in this area. You need to prove me in this area and all these other things. And, you know, God may choose to answer me and he may choose not to. But I have to be honest and open. And I do believe, and if you think about your strongest relationships in your life, you love when, I'm sure you do, when someone is very honest and open with you and saying, what do you need from me? This is what I need from you, and back and forth. So that you can truly hash it out. And that same goes for God. So it's true. We'll see where we are next week. I'll bring it up. So what we want you to do is just like I have to do is to think about all your feelings that you have now and have towards God and about your abuse. You have feelings like anger, betrayal, confusion, loneliness, or even um, negative emotions, you know, negative uh, thoughts, whatever it is. We also want you to try to identify any barriers, especially beliefs or ideas, even people that may make you think certain ways that keep you from reaching out to God for help in your recovery. All of us struggle with questions about God, and at some point we must understand, as the psalmist says in Psalm 115, 9 through 11, he is our help. So I'm going to focus on those tonight when I start, you know, struggling through this and and walking through this myself. And so I hope you'll join me because um, I'm sure you're listening and I'm sure you're questioning some things. And I just, you know, I need to know I'm not alone and you need to know that too. So that's it right yeah um something that I don't think was like directly said but you know we definitely insinuated towards it is like people betray us God doesn't betray us and so it's easy to ascribe responsibility that isn't isn't God's like things that aren't aren't connected to God it's like he can intervene he can do anything but it's like he didn't betray us he didn't violate us people did and God comes through and he rescues and he heals and he redeems and he restores. And Nicole, Mariah and I are all saying that, you know, it's one of the most encouraging things that I said to us is like, you can hear the hope in our voices and it's not some fluke thing that happened. Like, Oh, time healed our wounds. And now we can sit in front of these little mics and have hope in our voice. It's like people betrayed us. People violated us. People took advantage of us. And then God stepped into our storyline and he rescued us. So God didn't betray you. Someone did a person. Which also reminds me that last week we talked about the issue of responsibility. And so the best thing for you to do right now, if you're feeling that all of a sudden an overwhelming knowledge of betrayal all of a sudden and now you're thinking of all the people who've betrayed you reshift that on who's responsible and it's not you and it's not god and love that no that's true that's it that's it (laughs) drop mic and we're out okay (laughs) all right so i say this every week if you're not ready to deal with your 
betrayal, if you're not ready to look into who's responsible, if you're not ready to pray, talk about these things with God, that's okay. We just ask that you just keep coming back. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. See ya. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We would love for you to subscribe so that you can get each and every episode right away. We'd also love to see you rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Every time you share this podcast, it not only means the world to us, but it also gives us more exposure. So to learn more about us, go to treesofhope.org. Bye.